I confess that one time I dropped my mom off at a booty call at 2 a.m. <laughs> this podcast is intended for those 18 and over. If that's not you, please check out scarletine.com and come back to this podcast when you are of age. Thank you for downloading the Bedpost Confessions podcast. Bedpost Confessions is an Austin, Texas-based monthly reading and performance series about sex, sensuality, and the steamy side of life. Between performers, we ask audience members to anonymously submit anything worthy of a confession, which is then read aloud by one of our producers. This episode, I'm excited to introduce a story recorded on December 15th, 2010 by Sadie Smythe, one of the Bedpost Confessions producers. Sadie will be reading a chapter from her new book, Open All the Way. Here is Sadie. Charles spontaneously ejaculated one night after uh, innocently fondling his penis while he lay quietly in his bed. He was so unprepared for and and so frightened by the white goo that squirted out of him (laughs) that he he ran to tell his father. (laughs) Who, uh, he he had to tell him what happened to him. And his father, not ever a man to mince words, the right ones or the wrong ones, uh, informed his son in no uncertain terms that Charles' penis was broken. (laughs) True story. And and if he wanted it to be fixed, he'd better leave it alone. (laughs) It was a very long fucking time before Charles played with his penis again. (laughs) I know, it's sad. I I didn't go running to my mother when I had my first orgasm, probably because as a girl I didn't have any of that scary white stuff shooting out of an externally dangling member that had been inexplicably begging me to fondle it but also because I didn't want anyone to know about my discovery. I wanted to keep it all to myself until now. (laughs) I was getting ready to head for home, casually, innocently one might say, given my tender age. I left my friend's backyard and I hopped on my new shiny blue bicycle. It was my prized possession ever since I'd gotten it for my birthday just a few weeks before. You know the bicycle. The one that has the, the white padded banana seat with the glitter flecks. The one with the, the high-rise handlebars and silver mylar streamers coming out of the ends. Yeah, I hopped on this bicycle and down my friend's very long driveway. It was a cobblestone driveway. <laughs> it was a magical cobblestone driveway. <laughs> Yes. As you might imagine, the shock of the uneven, jagged pavement was perfectly absorbed by the bicycle's 16-inch rubber tires. And so each of the wheel's revolutions worked in wondrous rhythm with the shiny, padded seat. The seat that was perfectly placed right between my little legs. The seat that just so happened to create an astonishing and oh-so-pleasing friction with my girly bits. I didn't get far down that driveway before this pleasant friction coalesced into what my child self would have indeed described as a super sensation. An astonishing, miraculous, magnificent super sensation. And it wasn't one that I would soon forget. Because in my very lowest of parts, 
in the very most private of places, a place that had until then been largely ignored except for during moments of brief and compensatory hygienic maintenance. The entire area, and even further, from my cunt upwards into my belly, through my chest and into my throat even, it all erupted with such staggering force, such stupendous, righteous, harmonious commotion that still to this day, I cannot believe I didn't fall off that fucking bicycle and bust my head clean open on the sidewalk. Because I came hard as fucking hell. I was nine years old. As I said, orgasms are not only the domain of adults. So, but somehow I did manage to stay upright while climax-induced silver stars twinkled in front of my wide-eyed child vision. And I realized that I had just had experienced the most emphatically liberating, amazingly galvanizing, electrically ecstatic feeling I'd ever present, have ever been presented with during my short time upon the earth. And I realized that I wanted more, much, much more. So I turned around. As you might imagine, I spent every single day after that riding up and down my neighbor's cobblestone drive, chasing that feeling I had found just by chance that afternoon. Up and down that pavement, I rode dutifully, doggedly, panting feverishly, day after fucking day. I can only imagine what my neighbors, the owners of that driveway, must have made of me out there, furiously pedaling my bicycle along the drive, legs clenched tightly around the banana seat. I'm sure that my twisted, shifted, so close to coming facial expressions gave away my masturbatory mission. <clears throat> I didn't even attempt to disguise it. Not once. I wish I could ask them now if they remember me in the, their driveway. <clears throat> and I also would give anything to know exactly how many orgasms that I had on that bike before some fucker stole it just three short weeks after that discovery. Yeah, yeah, I was despondent. Fucking despondent. You know how children are when they t have their toys taken away from them? Yeah, they pitch a fit. They kick, they scream, and they sulk for days. That was me times 200. <laughs> you would be too if you'd had your uh, first sex toy taken from you. <laughs> After my bicycle grieving period was over, I began to wonder if there were other ways for me to achieve the pleasant internal explosion super sensation I discovered. And so I became a cum-centric nine-year-old girl on a mission. I, I couldn't have identified it then, but I had begun embarking upon an inexplicable quest, quest, one from which I would not be derailed anytime soon, a cum quest. <laughs> Quite fortuitously, not long after my bicycle got buccaneered, I began taking horseback riding lessons. Horses don't offer the same sort of convenience as a bicycle does. You can't just hop on a horse and head down to the corner store for a Milky Way and a Pepsi. But I started taking lessons twice a week. And after the first lesson, I began to look forward to Tuesdays and Thursdays with fevered anticipation. Because when I sat down in that taut leather saddle with my feet planted solidly in the steel stirrups for the first time, I felt that really familiar. So yes, the outcomes of my rides, as you can guess, were very similar to that of the bicycle. In fact, the rhythmic shifting of the saddle beneath my then none-too-innocent loins 
would spur an even more intense orgasmic satisfaction than the banana sea cobblestone combination. And there was no danger of me falling off that horse and cracking my head on the ground because, well, it was a horse. <laughs> Which I guess means that my second sex toy was a horse. <laughs> that sounds much worse than it actually is. <laughs> After many weeks of horseback riding lessons, I finally figured out that there was a formula. And once I've determined that crotch plus rubbing vigorously e equals super sensation, I discovered I didn't need a bicycle or a horse. I just needed anything that I could rub up against. <laughs> so I began masturbating at home this time behind closed doors, instead of in public, like the exhibitionist it seemed I was becoming. <laughs> and doing so with the same frequency of any prepubescent boy, minus the need for a crusty tube sock. <laughs> I had to. Daily, I went at it in frenzied frequency with the shower head, or my giant Carnival One teddy bear or a stack of fluffy pillow cushions. I would chase the pleasure it would send shooting through my lower insides and upwards towards my reeling head while I reveled in the way that it freed my mind, soothed my soul, and placated an inner restlessness that I didn't even know existed in my nine-year-old self, all while feeling really fucking good. Super sensation. After it became a sort of routine for me, it occurred to me that maybe I should feel ashamed about what I was doing. In fact, sometimes I couldn't help but think of the people I knew who were dead, um, like my grandparents, and how seeing as they had, didn't have anything better to do since they were dead, they must be hovering high above me, horrified yet entertained by watching me get off. <laughs> <laughs> In my mind, my demure and benevolent granny and papa had turned into dead pervert ghosts. <laughs> Probably eating pervert, I mean, yeah, pervert ghost popcorn while they watched their granddaughter come. <laughs> All because I couldn't stop pushing my privates against inanimate fucking objects. <laughs> I'd somehow managed to successfully shove their specters out of my overactive mind and then I could, uh, I could shift past the guilt and shame and back into that same innocent place where I'd been on that cobblestone driveway. And I could feel myself inside of my skin. And, and I was comfortable and happy and alive. Super sensation. I never stopped masturbating. And somewhere down the line, I made the brave leap into the void and started actually using my hands and my fingers <laughs> and sex toys that were designed for the express purpose of getting me off. Bicycle seats and saddles as pinnacle producers became things of the past, except for that one time at the dude ranch and when I was in my 20s. <laughs> and my shame for doing so has been properly laid to rest right next to my grandparents' benign, non-judging spirits. And now I make it a point to ask people about their own first orgasms. Not because I'm titillated by their stories, but because I think it's important that we remember those little parts of ourselves and our sexuality I just find it kind of cathartic to identify the little pieces of the puzzle that make us human. Because even though it's not something that we in the society talk about openly, getting off, having an orgasm is something that most of us do. Whether we do it alone or in private with someone else or a few someone else's, most of us are on some sort of come quest of our own. But ultimately, 
Whether or not we remember our first orgasm isn't really as important as remembering that we can orgasm. And so can an unsuspecting but very happily surprised little girl on a bicycle. Thanks. Open all the way, Mercedes Smyce foray into long-range storytelling. Most well-known for her outspoken commentary about relationship paradigms and the navigation through her own alternative arrangement with her husband, Scott, Sadie is very excited to offer her loyal readers a larger-lensed view into her openly married life. Each chapter of Open All the Way is an individual story in and itself, but the combined ensemble compellingly chronicles her journey. Sadie discusses openly and honestly the numerous pitfalls she and her husband encountered along the way. It's sexy, smart, and provocative prose, a full, fascinating glimpse into the non-traditional relationship. You can purchase the ebook Open All the Way at sadiesopenmarriage.com. Bedpost Confessions is produced by myself, Mia Martina of the I Want Your Sex podcast, Sadie Smythe of the popular blog sadiesopenmarriage.com, Julie Gillis of juliegillis.com, and Rosie Q. You can find links to all of our websites and more information about Bedpost Confessions at bedpostconfessions.com. You can also confess with us at Bedpost Confessions on Facebook and Bedpost Confess on Twitter. Until next time, we'll leave you with a few other confessions from the audience. I confess I once had a girl read a Dorothy Parker short story out loud while I licked her anus. In high school, I had an affair with my drama teacher. We had sex on the stage in the shop, in the costume room, dressing room, office, classroom, in his house. All the while, he would make me go running every morning with him and his wife. (laughs) Wow. This is no better. I recently got fucked in a Catholic chapel built in the 10th century. I'm pretty sure I saw God. (laughs) Jesus told me to do it. (laughs) 